All right. So today's topic is grief and loss. So if you're uncomfortable with grief and loss, this is your warning to stop listening now. If you, um, like this group of weirdos, enjoys conversations about grief and loss, and uh, then you're in good, good company. So, yep, true. One of my favorite. Um, Grab your cup of tea and get comfy with a warm, cozy blanket. <laughs> what is happening, Meg? <laughs> oh, don't tell me how to get comfortable or how to grieve, for that matter. Oh, um, yeah, so that's how this day is going to go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm done. Oh, <laughs> uh, um, well, there's probably some specific things we want to cover, but we don't know if this conversation is going to be concise. So we'll, we'll see what today looks like and if, if we need to, uh, if we need to do a second part, but. What that mean? Is that Can we be honest, Jared? Yeah. Are our conversations ever concise? Never. Whether they're recorded or just in general? It's a really good point. We're not a concise people, y'all. It's one of Jared's pet peeves. <laughs> I, I do strive to be a person of few words, but with this group, that's not the goal. <laughs> that's, I, I feel like it's important to manage expectations, and so I am impressed that you have been working on that with us. Oh, yeah. I, I also want to point out that, like, why would someone listen to a podcast of few words? Or just, like, saying? grief and loss. It's a thing, and um, that's it. Grief and loss, it's a son of a bitch. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> it will suck. Your life will be hard. <clears throat> I don't know what to tell you. What's your, what's your favorite, um, and by favorite, I mean, what's the thing that you hate? Your, your favorite uh, cliche related oh. to grief and loss. <sighs> That's a good question. I... I think that everyone feels the same about they're in a better place now, yeah. um, which is so interesting because it gets said all the time. But I really think it, you know, I mean, along with talking about how complex grief and loss is, talking about our response to others, pain and grief and loss is also very complex. Mm -hmm. It is hard to know what to say when somebody is grieving and they've lost someone. Um, and so we say really cliche things like, they're in a better place now. No longer in pain. No longer they're no longer in pain. Uh, I, I mean, like, yeah, that all that, like, standard stuff, right? Like, uh, but then there's also just, like, you'll get through it. <laughs> yeah. uh, it gets get easier. Time, which, like, yeah, it'll get easier. Which, like, those things are true, and I hate that they're true. <laughs> it does It does eventually feel less intense. It doesn't ever go away. What, what is it about, like, I mean, we're talking about grief and loss in, in the context of how it impacts callers and how we as counselors can respond to grief and loss, but, I mean, we're also speaking from personal experiences and because um, I guess that's one of the inevitable things is that people will experience loss of many types and not just death loss. So, you know, I think that's something that 
we want to touch on is what is loss? Um, yeah. What does it look like? Yeah. When I was younger, I participated in this project that was all about grief and loss um, in high school. And we, I learned a lot about loss at that time because I definitely thought about loss as just like losing somebody that you love. And because I had, I, I realized recently, I asked my friends, like, have you all ever experienced death? Um, and a lot of people really haven't, even my, at my age. So I'm like, oh, that's weird. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, so I just thought that it was like losing somebody that you love. Um, but I learned that a lot of trauma, all trauma, <laughs> um, comes with its own, like losses and um, its own kind of grief. And so you can lose things like um, identities that you hold. Um, you can lose things that have brought you comfort for a long time. Like if your body no longer allows you to participate in a sport that you used to play or um, yeah, or just even I, like innocence, you know, feeling like you've lost your innocence or you're, you're grieving your childhood um, as you grow older, just different things like that. I don't know, so many ways to talk about loss. Yeah, one of the things I was going to add to that was like a loss of security or safety after a trauma. Um, I think that's a really complicated type of loss. Uh, well, all loss is really complicated, actually. But that loss of security and when you're trying to like heal and start trusting again and all of that and, and you're grieving that part of it. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But. Well, it, it sounds like what you're, you're talking about is the idea of you, you can experience a, a single loss. And, and I often do view loss through the, through the lens of losing a loved one through death, because that, that was my first experience with loss was losing my dad at 13 to suicide. So like oftentimes I'm viewing things through that, that lens. Um, but there, there's the idea of the primary loss, the person or the thing that happened. And then there's like these secondary losses that, that have the ripple effect. So losing identities, all of those things um, that are like secondary, doesn't mean they're less important, but they, they are a result of the, the initial and primary loss. I think I looked <clears throat> very similarly, Jared. I think I looked through that lens of loss as losing a loved one, and then um, that that sort of changed because of trauma over the like my teenage years. Um, but I I sort of experienced a lot of loss, like a lot of losing loved ones, in a pretty short span of time um in my 20s and that was I, I felt cursed eh? a <laughs> like I did something weird or wrong or I don't know ran over some like mystical luck creature or something um because it was <laughs> oh man and I didn't know like <laughs> anyway um it was around the time Kevin and I met actually and we had a number of conversations about like what um some sort of sacrifice that I needed to make or some sort of like, you know, universal apology <laughs> that needed to happen. <laughs> Cause I felt like every time I talked to him, I was like, um, I have to fly home for a funeral. Um, so there's that. I also <clears throat> over the years, like in talking to clients and stuff, 
and I've like really talked a lot about loss. Another thing, and this sort of falls under the identity, but um, I don't know that we talk about it this way a lot, is the idea that like if you grow up in a religion, especially if you're very religious, and maybe that's the path that your life is headed down, and then for whatever reason that changes, and you are agnostic or atheist, um, or just aren't part of that particular faith sect anymore. Um, there's a tremendous amount of loss, I think, that comes with that, and one that we don't, like, talk through very often. But it, like, all of a sudden, and your identity is different, like, the thing, the community is different, the things that you were expecting for your life and for your afterlife are different like it's that's a really intense loss mm -hmm. um and it, it in kind of encompasses all of the things that we were talking about right yeah yeah there, there's often like a, a script in different cultures and different religions for how you grieve and experience loss yeah. and when you step outside of those scripts um things can get a little confusing and the script may not be something that like resonates with you as you experience loss because you're hearing some of the things that we started this conversation talking about, like, you know, they're in a better place. Well, now I'm in a place where it sure as shit doesn't feel like they're in a better place and, I, and I'm angry and I'm sad. And um, yeah, you're experiencing just this um, storm of emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think along that note, too, of religion, like, I notice particularly around the kind of loss, like, losing a loved one, um, I notice myself, like, taking comfort in the idea that they're watching over me, and that's a very religious, like, idea, <laughs> and I'm not a religious person at all, um, but I want that to, I like notice that I just want that to be true. And I just like choose to believe in that possibility. Um, and so I just, I, I like, I just have noticed and recognized different parts of myself that come up that surprise me um, when it comes to grief and loss, specifically around religion. When, when I hear you describe that experience, I, I and I, I mean, by no means am I trying to label your experience, but I think of it as, um, like a type of spirituality and also a type of meaning making. And like when we're talking yeah. about grief and loss, we're always talking about meaning making. Yeah. Yep. Um, after my dad died, um, because I lost him to suicide, I think like everybody, well, not everybody knows that because we haven't been doing assist the last couple of times. Yeah. Um, when I was 20, I would have a drink on his birthday um which was both my nod to his alcoholism and also <laughs> just <laughs> it felt, uh, um <clears throat> and i was sort of um really like i felt really bound to that like in sep on september 15th that's when i need you know, like i needed to have me time and do that and have that ritual and and like light a candle or whatever and um I don't remember how much after it it was, but Kevin and I were together and I missed it somehow and was sort of like panicking about it. And Kevin said that at some point um, it feels okay maybe just to 
instead of picking a day where you're just gonna like sit in and be sad and like sort of revel in that loss just allowing yourself to have a drink when you remembered him you know or to do this thing when you remembered him rather than <clears throat> sticking really closely to the script and I was like initially I was like no this is the day I picked this is you know but as I thought about it it was a kind of freeing to yeah. be able to have that like I, it can be whenever I feel like it it doesn't yeah. I don't have to wait or or be holden to this day yeah um, but I relate to that hard. Yeah. I I definitely like my biggest loss in terms of like losing a loved one was my grandpa Ernie, which you all know that. <laughs> um, and he, yeah, it's still hard for me to talk about him. But um, like on his birthday and on his death day, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always have his favorite coffee, but I also have his favorite coffee a lot of other times of year. Um, and anytime I order it, I think of him, but it's very intentional on those days. Um, and I don't ever want to stop. <laughs> like it's, it's hard for me to like imagine. I think I'm sort of in that place that you were in Kristen. Like if I were to miss that, I would be like, what, what the fuck am I doing? What? I, I ruined everything. Right. <laughs> I ruined my connection to him. <laughs> is it like a, a sense of guilt missing it? Or is it more of like feeling connected and like the tradition connects you to him or... Yeah, I think it's, I think there's some, sen there would be some sense of guilt for me. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it would, you know, it would, it would mean that I'm moving on in a way that I never expected to, um, mm -hmm. to, to the point where I could forget like, oh, this is his birthday. Um, mm -hmm. I know that I'll actually probably never forget his birthday since I'm going to be getting married on his birthday, but <laughs> um, so I don't have to worry about that. But even his death day, like sometimes I have to like think hard to remember what day he died on. Um, so yeah, I think there would be some associated guilt. Um, man, I have a lot of things to say or a lot, a lot of comments, but like Kristen, I, I relate to the experience of like switching your, your rituals because I think when I was, you know, 15, 16, like in that kind of age range, I, I felt like I had to go to the cemetery. Like that was a script. And going to the cemetery was not serving me in any capacity. <laughs> like it was not helping anything. Um, but I still went. And I, I think once I went to college, <clears throat> I was like, I fucking hate that place. I'm not going back there. <laughs> like it, it doesn't bring me a sense of like comfort. It doesn't help me remember my dad in any like actual context or like real, real life memory. Like it's just a painful memory. So like, you know, avoiding it became pretty easy after that. And it was freeing. And then I was able to like create different rituals or traditions. Um, I, another thing I wanted to say in response to, to Erica is, is um, like I, I often operate through, through also the lens of losing someone as a child. And when you're, when you experience a loss as a child, I think there can, the trajectory can look a little bit different. And I experienced a ton of fear around forgetting memories and like forgetting um, yeah. different, like even forgetting my dad's face or qualities like um, that produced a ton of anxiety. And I don't know when that subsided, but um, I think it's interesting that we can, ex we experience that intensely as children often. And like, even as an adult, those things are there. I lost my, 
grandfathers a year apart when I was 11 and 12. Um, a year and two days apart, in fact. Um, and I, that I super relate to that. And I think it's experience, right? Like, I think that you have that, it, it's not experience to have lost, but it's experience that you're not, that anxiety goes away because you recognize that you're not going to forget. Um, even if you don't remember every single thing, you do remember the things that are important to remember, it feels like. Um, and you and you start to recognize that as you get older and it sticks with you. But yeah, that's real. Yeah. Something that um, kind of popped into my head while all of you were talking was like this idea of comparing grief, um, which is something that I find myself doing a lot because I haven't had, I mean, I, I lost my grandfather who I was incredibly close. To. I know Eric, I knew you're giving me this space, but I know this is what I'm saying. It's this like weird comparison thing. Like, well, shit, I didn't lose my dad to suicide. You know, like there's uh -huh. that's like a, such a big grief that I can't even comprehend it. My grandpa dying. Well, that's everybody's grandpa dies. You know, like I yeah. do that whole thing in my head and I know my grief is valid, but I think that this is also an interesting point too, is that grief is so complicated that like, we're, I'm even comparing it to, mm -hmm. well, that, theirs is worse and mine is, you know, like. So. That is the, like, one of, I think, the most common reactions mm -hmm. is that comparison. Mm -hmm. um, we do it with trauma. We do it with grief. We do it, like, we do it with the big things. And I think some of it is, like, trying to put it in perspective, right? Like, it's trying to have some control over it. Um, mm -hmm. but, but, yeah, I think that. Well, I had this experience, like even even talking about like super traumatic shit, right? Like, well, yeah, I mean, sure, that was trauma, but that person experienced all this stuff. Like, you know, I'm yeah. not a, a, a prisoner of war. Like, so what's my problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it just like it's it. I I relate to the um to the experience of comparing my my traumas and my grief griefs I don't griefs know. yeah griefs. it's plural <laughs> yeah, other people but when I hear you say it Meg and I think yeah because I know it so well like your grandpa lived with you <laughs> forever and he was your favorite person and like that was a huge loss it was it was a traumatic loss right I do know this like I, I really know but it's just like Fuck off with your comparison. <laughs> you. Fuck off with your comparison. Yeah. But it's also, I, I know what you mean and it's valid, but I'm just like, stop doing that. Right. Well, because when I hear you talk about losing your grandpa, I'm like, oh my God, Eric, you know, like that feels big and deep. So it's just interesting how, like, yeah, how it all it's, plays out. It's literally what we were talking about before we hit record, right? Like, the, the we could deal with other people's stuff, but when we're having to deal with our own, we're like, well, obviously you shouldn't compare your grief. I mean, I should, but you shouldn't. <laughs> that, 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 it's awful to compare your grief to somebody else. Your grief is valid. Mine isn't, but yours is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really <laughs> no, it's a very good point to make. I think it's very important. <laughs> Another thing too is that when you guys, when you, Jared, were talking about going back to the cemetery, I, my grandpa and grandma were buried in a mausoleum, which in and of itself is a very 
interesting experience. Uh, uh-huh. But I hadn't, so my grandpa died like 10 or 11 years ago. And um, my sister and I were just like out driving around one day a couple months ago. And I was like, do you, do you want to go to the mausoleum? <laughs> I mean, I probably haven't been in like 10 years, you know? And she's like, okay. So we like pull up, we put in the little code and we're like dying. It is the most uncomfortable weird creepy experience that I've had in so long and we were like dying like laughing like it was so uncomfortable and we're like okay this is not this is not our place this is not where we feel close to our grandparents so um it was just like so interesting going back there's no point to that story other than it's funny it was really weird yeah well, and further is the point right like the the rituals that we put in place aren't always the the ones that are the most helpful or meaningful. Right. Um, okay, I have a really crazy story about that, though, um, and I'll try to make it really fast. Um, okay, so right after my grandpa died, uh, well, okay, one of the things that my grandpa and I used to do together is I would go pick him up because he couldn't drive, so I would go pick him up, and he would always want to go to the cemetery to, like, visit my grandma's grave, um, which was just so devastating, but <laughs> um, so we would, like, get Starbucks, get Wendy's, and then go sit at my grandma's grave in my car and just hang out. <laughs> which is super morbid and weird, but also fun. Um, So I just felt this like obligation to go because he found a lot of comfort in the cemetery. I thought like that's something that I should do when once he passed. And um, so I was doing that. I was driving from Lawrence to Kansas City like multiple times a week, sometimes daily, just to go to his um, to his grave. And then in the midst of my grief, I did this like weird thing where um, I was just very lost and I went to this uh, event where there was a shaman there and she claimed that she could talk to like, you know, the other side or whatever. Um, and so I was just like there, I didn't know anyone at all. She didn't know me, nobody knew me. And I was just like, except for Lee, RIP Lee. Um, <laughs> uh, but so this woman was like, I'm gonna start with you. And she like pointed at me and she's like, you got a lot, you got a lot of people here. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. So she goes through all this stuff. And like I told you, I've experienced a lot of, a lot of different losses. Um, So that's not necessarily surprising that there would be like a lot of people (laughs) floating around me, I guess. But finally she gets to like this, this, this last part where she was like, well, there's another person in the corner of the room who I know is connected to you, but like I'm I'm kind of confused and he just seems very uncertain about this whole thing and I'm like yeah if my grandpa Ernie would be very uncertain about this <laughs> he would believe like this is like the devil's work or something <laughs> and uh and anyways the thing that she said that was super powerful was all he wants you to know is that you should stop going to the cemetery because it's an empty place and I was like whoa, whoa. fuck <laughs> <laughs> I was literally so chilled by that. Uh-huh, I bet. <laughs> and also, like, wept, obviously. Uh-huh. <laughs> you did? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yeah, that's really that's wild. really crazy story. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Whew. I mean, that's a, it's an interesting, like, part of grief experiences is engaging in these types of, yep. like, mm-hmm. journeys endeavors like these experiences that that you're you're trying to create meaning you're trying to understand the loss and uh yeah i don't know it, i i always find it fascinating that that no one's experience looks the same 
um, which I think is something I also try to highlight in the work on the, on the phones is like, whatever you're doing right now is good for you. Like no one can tell you how to experience grief. Um, and I'm also usually pretty deliberate about like challenging that concept of it grief is a process, you know, then you go through these, like the series of linear steps. And um, I'm curious what, what, what's everyone's experience with like hearing. Five stages of grief. Yeah. The five stages of grief. Yeah. Like. I, so I, I think that there, (laughs) that one of the things that we, that we do that's a disservice when trying to like put our grief in a box is that we make a lot of claims like here's these five stages of grief um if i were to rewrite them i think that it, it i would add a it, guilt as a sixth stage um and i would put that between every step and then i would add the steps all like 18 times yeah <laughs> so like <laughs> denial guilt bargaining guilt denial guilt yes bargaining anger guilt <laughs> Yeah. And and I don't know that that's something that we talk about very often, um, but just the way that your brain tells you stuff. Mm-hmm. I Did think, you, yeah, good. Uh, I think like not putting them in any particular order. I like that a lot because I don't feel like they are, and I feel like you repeat want you repeat just like you said the way that you described it, Kristen. It's it's not it's not linear by any means, and grief is so layered, like. Mm-hmm. Jared, you were talking a little bit about this earlier too, but like, if you think about, so, so I'll take, I'll just keep talking about my grandpa. Like I lost him. I think I was, I don't know if it was four years ago. Um, and, and then like the, the immediate like overwhelm of watching him pass and like being the person there with him and like, just, you know, that whole trauma is a lot. And then just the, the crying and like the constant, like, emotion that you feel for the next few weeks and then also like every time my grandpa and I talked on the phone every day so I would like pick up the phone to call him because I was feeling sad and then I would remember like oh fuck the reason I'm feeling sad is because he's dead <laughs> and so then it would like the the cycle yep. or the phases or whatever would start over mm-hmm. um, and and then like you know like things just keep happening throughout my life where so my my grandpa died and he never met Jason um I started dating Jason shortly after my grandpa passed and so one of my like biggest like things that I won't say like regret but like something that makes me really sad is that they never got to know each other and I think my grandpa would really love Jason and like that's just like something that I still grieve you know and and Mm -hmm. the fact that like I'm going to be getting married and he's not there or I had a graduation and he wasn't there even though he was looking so forward to seeing that graduation like just those things I think can like really bring up waves um the waves overwhelming yeah the 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 waves analogy i think is important um and like maybe something for counselors to take a look at is the dual process of grief model um i i often reference that because i think it just resonates with me personally and and seems to like get closer to the actual experience better than any type of like stage or process model but like this idea that we're bouncing back and forth between like as we're living life we're bouncing back and forth between just living our daily lives and and doing what feels right to to take care of ourselves and manage living and inevitably there's going to be something that comes up and like 
takes your feet out from underneath you. Um, and, and those things can be surprises like, like a wave. Um, but they can also be things that you do intentionally, like, you know, going to Starbucks and getting coffee and like spending time in that, that space where you're remembering the person or the thing that happened. Um, so. Mm -hmm. I don't know where I read it, <clears throat> but shortly after my dad died, um, I read that it takes about three years to grieve somebody. Wow. And so I hit year 23, like I was 23, so year three, um, and was just, we're not going to talk on this podcast about um, some of the choices that I made as a young 20-year-old, <laughs> but I made some choices um, and sort of did this like live life to the fullest and thing, right? Uh, and when I when I decided to like delve into that, um, I realized it was because I was hitting this three-year mark where I was supposed to be done grieving. And I was like sort of rebelling against it and grieving against it and feeling like I hadn't done all of the things that I was supposed to do or that I wasn't over yet, yet or what. And it was just a completely manufactured timeline. Like I, I read it in some dumb book or article or something and someone had decided that three years is the amount of time that it takes and I was and so in my head I was like you have three years to feel not sad um and to not like and to to like handle it <laughs> so once I realized yeah once I like connected those things I was like oh okay I can stop doing this to myself like that isn't a real fair thing that's a really interesting point my my aunt went through a divorce I don't, maybe seven years, seven or so years ago, she'd been married for 25 years and her and I were talking on the phone the other day and she said something like, I know I grieved my marriage for way too long, like far more than was normal. What? And I was like, you were married to that person for 25 years. Who told you that it should take? Because someone along the way had also told her you, it takes like however long, maybe it was the three year thing to grieve a death. And and now you've been grieving this divorce for this long, like put this thing into her head. And now she thinks that her grief is really abnormal. Oh my goodness. Well, what's the rule? What's the fake rule with breakups? Like for every- Like double the every, time you were together. <laughs> every, every year that you were together, it's a month of grief oh. for a breakup. Um, is, oh. the, is the rule that is, you know, again, this arbitrary rule that someone made up um, so like if you were together for a year, you get a month and yeah, then you, you just got to get back on the horse Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely not. as it were. I still, I, and I want to know if this is, I want to know your thoughts about this. <laughs> I still like feel like I grieve past relationships, even though I'm very happy and in love and getting married. Like I still think about, I think actually what I do is. I think about myself, like my younger self and how sad I was at the time. Um, and I grieve, I, I just like grieve that person, you know, like, wow, I was really, really sad and really like torn up about this relationship that ended. And uh, I, I missed out on a lot of things because I was too like sad. I was too, too far in, not too far, but really far into my yeah. grieving that I 
yeah, I just still think about like those times and, and I have a lot of compassion for like myself, my younger self. Um, I think like grieving and compassion and gratitude really are connected for me. And so, um, yeah, I'm just, I still think about those and I'm like, what? That was years ago, years mm-hmm. ago. And I've moved on. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I mean, I think that like Jared said that, that there are waves and there are moments and just like with trauma, right? Like when we're, if we're breaking down trauma, you can work and work and work to get through it. And mm-hmm. then something will sweep your feet. Um, and you'll be like, wait, no, I did this work. I'm better. <laughs> like, I, I don't have to deal with this anymore. I'm good. Um, and I, I too think that one of the things that we often don't talk about when we're talking about loss, especially loss around like a job or, um, or a breakup or that kind of thing is the idea of the path that you were planning to take. Yeah. So we all do a lot of like future projection where we expect I'm going to be with this person and this is what our life is going to look like. And even if that relationship is an effing disaster, <laughs> there's still this part of you that's like, I'm, this is the path that this relationship is going to take. Mm-hmm. And part of the grief that comes with it is that that is a different path. And again, I don't know that it's, that it always has to be that that path was full of rainbows and kittens, but it was still a path that you had planned. And there's some work and like grief work around the change that that took and that your life took. For sure. That, that, um, that really makes me think about like storytelling in the context of, of grief and like the, the concept of personal narratives and how personal narratives, you know, like you're saying, Kristen, they, they have a trajectory or a target sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like storytelling as it relates to grief for me personally was really important because actually headquarters was the first place that I, during training in 2013. So like, you know, seven years after my loss was the first time that I told my story, like from start to finish. Um, which made it like an incredibly meaningful moment, which probably is the reason why I'm like, you know, so into HQ. I feel like I owe it something. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So, you know, oftentimes people, callers, anyone like can benefit from that opportunity to share their story. Yep. And there's not always a space to do it. Mm -hmm. Because we stop. It feels like people stop listening or else we're afraid that they don't want to listen anymore. And so we may be talking to somebody who is three years past it or five years past it or 25 years past it. And they just feel sad today or this week or whatever, for whatever reason. Um, But they don't feel like they can reach out to the people that love them because how many times have they heard them grief, grief, this loss? How many times have they heard them grieve this loss? And it, it, it can feel like you're asking too much of people. Plus, the other thing that tends to happen is that um, everybody rallies around for a couple of weeks and then everybody disappears. And I mean, it, it's, that's human nature. Like, we don't know how to sit with other people's pain for a long time. And we have our own lives and our own, like, shit. Mm-hmm. And so 
you don't want to call the people who brought you over a casserole and sat with you and held your hand and you don't want to call them two months down the road and be like, I need that a casserole, please. <laughs> like a stat. <laughs> Even though if you asked, a lot of people would be like, oh yeah, I'm on my way with a casserole, you know? Yeah. Which, by the way, tater tot casserole could really heal any type of grief, just in case anybody needed that recommendation. I, I also echo that. That, that sounds delicious. It's so one of my favorite meals ever. Um, something that, like, triggered a thought for me, Jared, was you talking about headquarters being, like, the first place that you could tell your story from start to finish, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through this without crying. So I'm going to look <laughs> away from the camera. Um, when I went through training, I was really coming to terms with my sexuality. And I had so much grief, grief wrapped up in that. Like really complicated, weird grief that I didn't know was grief at the time. <clears throat> but I think headquarters training was also the first place where I was able to tell my story from start to finish and feel really heard and validated in that. And which is also probably why I'm ride or die HQ. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think that it's when we're talking about grief, like the queer experience is an, an important thing to add because yeah. there's so many like complex things interwoven in, in that type of grief. Like maybe you didn't come out until later in life and you're grieving your past life of not being able to like explore that and like get to know yourself and show the world who you are. Then you're also grieving having to tell your family who might be really heartbroken by your identity. And then you're also grieving, you know, that maybe the partner you're with, um, you know didn't have the same experience and there I don't know there's just like so many different things that that come with that and so yeah I think that there's a lot of grief wrapped up in gender and sexual identity sexual identity sex yeah sexuality Absolutely. what am yeah. I trying to say sexual orientation yeah or yeah or gender identity there we go yeah yeah I, I think I'm, I'm a bad queer I don't know the <laughs> <laughs> I was just flustered because I was trying not to cry. So yeah. anyway, go on, Erica. Sorry, you're making you're making me get a little teary. <laughs> I'm just so proud of you. It's, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like, I, like when you were talking about grieving, like if you didn't come out until later in life, like grieving the your past life. I think that, like, I think about. Re I'm gonna call it retroactive grief. I don't actually know if that's a thing, but. <laughs> in my head, it's a thing. Um, and like, I think about having, you know, an eating disorder and, and the, the amount of time and space and energy and like control it had over me for so long. It totally like took away my ability to connect with people in the way that I can now. Um, mm -hmm. and I think about that a lot and how much grief there is, you know, if I think about when I was at my sickest. Um, and I, yeah, I just, I think about that in, in general, not just with eating disorder stuff, but with suicidal ideation and like just the, the mental, <laughs> mental, the experience of mental illness and how, and trauma and how it like takes so much away from you. And then when you start to heal, 
Like you start, there's like a, there's like a grieving component of healing, I think, because you're starting to really understand the yeah. of that trauma and, um, and really starting to understand like how much you've been missing, um, when you start to get well again. And it's really mm-hmm. sad. It can be really sad. Yeah. I, I, I often refer to that as like, what ifing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. and, and it can be a really fun, terrible rabbit hole. Slippery slope. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and, and though, I think that a lot of times so much anger comes in trauma because of that piece of that, right? Like that when you start to recognize, oh, like if I hadn't had this awful violent experience or this sexual assault or whatever this trauma is, then I wouldn't have had this experience or because of this trauma, I missed out on this. Yep. Like here's this like, line that my life was supposed to take like this is our linear like mm-hmm. our line of development and when something tra- traumatic happens we we branch off of that and even if it's not like a crazy branch where we go like way far off of that initial path it's still a branch it's still a different um thing and so you can look back and be like oh if i hadn't had this experience then i would have gotten to have the normal experience of like dating without fear or you know like yeah or or um having my parent at my wedding or having my grandparent at my graduation like like those things are and it kicks up anger because I don't know that we always recognize it as like grief um but anger is fair too like yeah you know (laughs) yeah absolutely the uh, I think it's weird to refer about um, losses as like being a gift. Like I, I don't like the word gift, but I can't find another um, word to use. But I often think about even something as shitty and painful as my dad killing himself. I often think about it as like, you know, this, this experience was a gift in many ways and that it connected me to headquarters and that it connects me to people who have a similar type of experience. And like Camp Kita is one example and, and um, you know, which is a community of people who have also lost loved ones to suicide. And like, I think about many of the positive things that, that have come to my life through my loss. Mm-hmm. And like, that's been my process of meaning making and not to say that like, it's the right way to do it, but um like there is a sense of gratitude that I experience with loss, which is sometimes not something. And sometimes we only focus on um, like the painful parts of that experience. There was a weird weird thing just happened with your mic. Yeah. Did did you hear it? My headphones died. Oh, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh Yeah. Um, Poor timing headphones. Come on. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It was a really good feel too. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think that when I talk, when I talk specifically about grief and loss with people, um, because that's what they're experiencing, I am careful to talk about the like uh, um, gratitude that comes, <laughs> that can come. Like it took me a long time to get to a place of having gratitude. Um, 
And I think that if in the beginning someone would be like, don't worry, this has a silver lining. Like you're going to be way more empathetic for people who have had like suicide in their life. I would have been like, you can get so fucked. (laughs) 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 Because that is not where I am. But like through the, the process and coming and then doing some looking back, right? Like I definitely have a different, it's that it's the, importance of lived experience right like I definitely have a different approach um because I because I have been there and while my experience isn't the same as anybody else's um I know how you know I know that grief is a layered motherfucker in other words like and and that and I can relate to things I also know that from my experiences with non-suicide death and suicide death that losing somebody to suicide is like feels 50,000 times more layered and complicated Mm -hmm. um that there's it just feels like there's so much more to like sift through Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. I took a center road but yeah no I think that's I think sorry Meg what were you gonna say oh you go I was just gonna say I think that's really valid and that I, I don't, I've never lost a loved one to suicide. Um, but I imagine that, but I have lost people like suddenly, you know, without warning. And then I've also experienced the, the kind of loss that you know is going to come eventually and that you can do what you can do to prepare for it, even though you can't really ever be prepared for that kind of thing. Um, and there's a drastic difference between those two things. I think gratitude comes a lot more easily and a lot more quickly, like it did for me when my grandpa died, because I knew that he was going to die for years and years and years. Like I was grieving his death before it ever happened. And I was doing my best to like get all the time with him that I could and like know that I would look back on the time that I had with him and feel grateful. And that's what I was able to do. That was one of the things that got me through his death um, was the amount of gratitude that I had for our relationship. Um, but I can't imagine, or I can only imagine what it would be like to lose someone so suddenly and to suicide because suicide is just so fucking complicated. And I know the complexities of that very Mm -hmm. well from my own personal experience. And so I just can't imagine like, you know, what people would have thought or how they would have grieved or felt if I would have died by suicide. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I think that it's, it's not, it's not one of those things where it's like you can't compare your grief to somebody else's like actually suicide loss is very different. (laughs) It's not just what you're comparing it to. It's, it's just like actually really different. I think that's one reason that they have like suicide loss survivor support groups. The Uh family members who've lost loved ones to suicide can go to this specific support group because maybe they've, will show up to a support group for just people who are grieving the loss of other of loved ones in other ways. And people in that support group might think, well, your loved one made the choice. Mine had no choice, you know, that kind of thing. And in so many other complex parts of that. Um, but yeah, I think it does, it is a, a specific type of grief and it like is a lot to sift through and maybe even a lot more to sit through. Um, we, we've said a lot of things, um, 
and I think we want to be mindful of like what what counselors volunteers um, what what thing what approaches to grief and loss they can use while they're on the phones um, and especially while experiencing their own grief and loss right mm -hmm. I mean we haven't hit on this um, because I feel like we're still in the middle of it and so it makes it hard to hit on it but mm -hmm. the pandemic in and of itself is a huge like just um, it's a it, yeah it's just a huge cache of grief and loss um, and I literally didn't even think of the pandemic while we were talking like I can't even believe that was a thing that I didn't think about <laughs> I never think about lately. <laughs> it's, all, it, yeah. it's because we're still in the middle of, we're all still working from home, y'all. <laughs> you know, like our lives are still different. And so, yeah, Jared, like talking about how when you're not experiencing grief and loss, how to respond, but also when you are how to respond, especially if what somebody is talking about is a pandemic and you really relate to that, you know, um, I, th I think, and this has been said a number of times um, throughout this, the time that we've been talking, I think one of the biggest things is, is normalizing how abnormal it feels um, and how like people's processes are okay, whatever those look like, um, you know, after my after I lost my dad I read like four or five Stephen King books like right in a row <laughs> I just sat and read and that's all I did um <clears throat> I tried like the day I found out that he did it we went to the video store and just rented a bunch of movies so I could just have sound um and like pictures playing so I didn't have to think then later on um I for some reason thought that renting phenomenon was a good idea and that's really dating myself. <laughs> um, but I will tell you that it's a movie if you don't know what it is with John Travolta and it's really effing sad. <laughs> and I knew that because I had already seen it um, and it has a great soundtrack, but I was like done for days after I watched that movie. That was not a good choice. Stephen King books though, those were a good choice. <laughs> and, and apparently what I needed. Um, yeah. I also like moved across the country and um, left my fiance and <laughs> did a whole bunch of other things in the wake of that loss. But like, I feel like the thing that was the m most helpful were the books. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, that, that's so true. Like people need to know that whatever they're doing is, is okay. And you're going to find the things that aren't <laughs> just, yep. just like, just like you did. Um, mm -hmm. I, I guess my like big, do you want to say something else? No, I was just going to ask you, if, did, do you ever see the, the movie What Dreams May Come? No. Again, it's a dated movie. It's a, a Robin Williams movie. Um, and it turns out that it's about suicide. <laughs> and I went to the theater probably a week or two weeks after. No, it was, it was while I was still in Kansas. And so it was probably, yeah, like a week after my dad died to watch a Robin Williams movie that looked in the previews really sweet. And it turns out that the whole thing was about suicide and going to hell after you killed yourself. And oh. I am not religious, but holy cow, did that also fuck me up for a while. Yep. Um, 
So yeah, you run into things that you didn't, <laughs> that aren't helpful. Yeah, I throw that one on the avoid list. Yeah. <laughs> what was that, Meg? I said I have a follow-up question. Kristen, have you revisited either of these movies since? Um, I, I was, well, yes and no. So Phenomenon is a lovely, truly lovely movie. Um, and it's really sad, but it has a beautiful soundtrack and it's a really great movie. Um, I, in my heart <laughs> and soul, know that What Dreams May Come is an evil, hateful movie that's made up of terror and <laughs> and malice. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I haven't rewatched that one. <laughs> okay, just curious. <laughs> it's actually a love story. Um, but <laughs> its themes were not good in that moment for me. <laughs> well, yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> I, I think the thing that I would, that, that I rely on um, as a counselor, especially in the call room, but even as a therapist, um, is just like really frame. Okay, so as a counselor, when someone's talking about their, their loss, um, I, I say the word grief. And um, I say things like, I can, you know, I can, you know, we do the formulas, but I, but essentially what I say is like, it sounds like you're really grieving and that this loss yeah. is really, really big. And yeah. that's like, I just want you to know that the loss that you have experienced is no small thing. And that the way that you're responding is totally valid and there's no right way to grieve. I think that's huge, Erica. I think that naming things like yeah. grief and loss, because we don't always put it in that context, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a lot of times we do look through the lens of death as being the, the reason that we grieve. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's huge to be able to say, yeah, this is what this is. Yeah. I'm pretty, I, I feel like most <laughs> in, with every client I've ever worked with, like as a therapist, I will call something grief. Yep. Um, at least one time that doesn't have anything to do with losing a loved one. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. And I think it, it can be really powerful for sure. Yeah, because I think it gives it a different, like if, if somebody is really struggling with something um, and can't figure out why, like mm -hmm. why is this hitting me so hard? Why mm -hmm. am I so... Why am I so broken up about this? Or it's taking me so long to get over the fact that I moved, you know, or that, um, or a number of things. To be able to tell somebody that that's grief can, can name it in a way that makes it able to work through. Yeah. Yeah. Giving it context. Mm -hmm. I agree. And, and it can just so normalize the, the way that it gets worked through, <laughs> like the, the difficulty of working through something so diff, like so major and, and um, and y'all are distracting me. <laughs> I'm losing my thoughts and I feel embarrassed. Sorry. It's okay. Um, I don't know what I was saying, but you get it. Yeah, we do. We get it. Yeah. Get it. This is like a day in the life of Meg, uh -huh. forgetting what I was saying or forgetting what I wanted. I literally have notes of things as I was, as the conversation was going, like, ooh, I should mention this because I will forget. That's anyway. a great idea. The, the, so, theme, the theme of normalizing people's grief experience 
seems to be like the most important thing that, that we're all saying. And, and also like, you know, the other thing that we, we also always talk about is like giving people space to share their story. But, yeah. um, you know, I think that is something that, that rings true for me is like, you know, you, you deserve to, to talk about this thing. You, In whatever you, way you need to. Yeah. Yep. And, and if you don't want to talk about it right now, that's okay too. Um, but if in six months you feel like, you know, you want to take a step in any direction, know that that is, that's what you need to do. Mm -hmm. It's a really good like opportunity to use maximizers too. That's a very technical skill that I feel like I just want to throw out there. But like, I think maximizers can be super powerful when we're talking because of the the fact that people compare their and judge their own grief. Um, So yeah, like, this i i can hear that this is an incredibly significant loss for you or that you're you know feeling an extreme amount of grief that that kind of maximizer yeah i like in the so um in the heart of like full disclosure uh we had to say goodbye to one of our three dogs yesterday um and it was very sudden and also a big loss, um, I think, which everybody knows. Um, and this is not a shock to the other podcasters because that would be really intense. Um, so just know that I'm not doing that to them, y'all. Uh, <laughs> um, but clearly, one of the ways that I process grief for myself is talking about the concept of grief. <laughs> um, and and that that has been true for a long time. Like one of the ways that I get through things is to analyze things. Uh, And so I think that it can be disconcerting for people. Like if that's the conversation that I'm having with them and I'm like, well, my grief is really complex because of this reason and this reason. (laughs) They're like, what is robot lady wrong with you? (laughs) And I also have moments where I'm like, a hot mess um and it's usually when somebody like texts me out of the blue and says that they're sad or sorry or whatever um or sends me a really sweet card um with a poem and a hand-drawn picture (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i i think that normalizing like we said the process for ourselves and then giving people space and like you said Jared whatever space that is and that may be space to talk about like the video game that they're playing right like it may be space just to be like what do you need is a really important question and sometimes a lot of times um, we will ask people in the middle of their grief what can I do what can we do for you and that's a effing hard question to answer because you don't know um we and our group of friends get each other cheesecakes <laughs> because you don't love cheesecake. Um, unless your Megan literally can't eat it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, sometimes it's about distraction and we may, and that may be what's happening on the phone, right? Is that we're talking to somebody and they're calling and they're grieving, but what they really want is to talk about going shopping. Um, want ways to distract themselves because their brain is just being a bastard um yeah um so recognizing that 
the best thing that you might do is talk to somebody about ways that they can distract themselves if that's what they need or to sit and listen to them tell the story front to back um and then to to take time to process how hard that call may have been because i think we all relate to grief on some level and so at, like you can tell in this podcast as we were talking about grief, one of us would say a thing and then all of us would be like, yes, that like, exactly. And my experience with this is that. And so like, I think that we all talked about it as experience and processing and all of that. There are for sure times where it can hit us um, though, where we're sitting listening to somebody's grief story and it may not have anything to do with our own griefs. griefs. Um, yeah, Jared Booker. <laughs> But it hit what? Huh? What just happened? Jared, every time Jared talks about his dad, it makes either me or Meg or both me and Meg very emotional. <laughs> it's just like, fuck you, Jared. I mean, you can talk about your dad, but it's, <laughs> you do that. <laughs> See, grief can be a superpower. You can, mm -hmm. you can produce you, tears. <laughs> you can make tears. But like, like Erica said earlier, Erica hasn't lost anybody to suicide. And so the, the, and Meg hasn't either. And so the, the thing that touches them is A, their empathy and their love for Jared, right? But B, something about it hits them in the grief, like in the grief button. Like this brings something up for me. And I don't know that you can name it every time, but it brings something up. And so being able to process that, ooh, that hit me, like that call hit me. And I just need to talk about it. And, and there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. Like you're not projecting, mm -hmm. you know, as long as you don't take over the call because you realize what story it is. <laughs> oh, this yeah. reminds me of the time that <laughs> like we did in this podcast. Don't do this on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is not a model for, <laughs> for phone counseling. Right. <laughs> Save that for the role plays. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're coming close to our, our time. I think this conversation should continue. Um, yeah, I really think that we should hit on that. Like we, we super need to delve into like Meg's self-esteem. Yes. Like world and psyche. And that's probably our next one. But I do think that we need to talk about <laughs> the pandemic um, and how that's sitting with all of us and the grief and loss and trauma of it all and stuff some point soon. Because there's, also, this podcast could go for, like, 78 episodes, I feel like, because grief is a layered motherfucker. Yeah. Very oh, wow. Well, we have I our don't... next title. Yep. <laughs> Kristen always with the titles. We no. can't Kristen have... always with the terrible language. <laughs> <laughs> we can't Better... have the F word in every single title. <laughs> well, we certainly could, Jared. Oh, well, maybe it's our shtick. Maybe it is. Maybe that's our... Maybe that's our... Uh, Stick isn't the word I was looking for, but I'm going to just stay with it. Yeah, <laughs> that's our thing. Uh -huh. What is, did we ever decide on a title for our last episode? Um, I don't know, but it's dropping a day, so. Yeah, it's in the works. We'll stay be, soon. we'll be as excited as everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Bye, all right, everyone. everybody. Bye. Love you all. Take care of yourselves. <laughs>